Welcome into the BW Buzzer Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Matt Wyman, co-host Brady Shul. How are you doing today? Pretty well. How are you doing? Uh, doing good. Excited to talk talk some draft grades today on the uh, Packers and Vikings we'll be focusing on in this episode, both of our teams, so we know the most about those teams right off the bat. Uh, what's yeah, your initial dude. reaction to the Vikings draft, Brady? How do you how you feeling? Well, uh, I think that in years past we've seen with Rick Spielman, he likes to get a lot of picks, and he'll do pretty much anything to get them. And I think we saw that again. Vikings went into this draft with 12 picks, which was second in the league, second most in the league. And at one point we had up to 17 before we traded a couple of those away. I think we ended up. Uh, drafting 15 guys, and I thought that Trader Rick did a really good job again this year. Uh, we filled a lot of needs, got some depth in there, and I thought we really had some great value uh, value picks later on in the draft. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that strategy a lot because it's like, you know, the more the more darts you throw at the dartboard, the like more likely you're gonna hit a bullseye, no matter how far you're throwing them from, you know. But uh, exactly, yeah. it's it, and you know that was a record. 15 picks no and the since the seven round era that's the most picks by a single team in a draft it's kind of unbelievable yeah and it was crazy how they had up to uh 17 at one point I mean, yeah didn't they they had to get rid of them because they couldn't even sign all these guys right or yeah i not? mean they're they're the most uh cap strapped team in the league and i think that they had to get rid of uh, a couple of those picks because it would have been pretty much a wasted pick definitely all right, so we're going to go over the Vikings draft first. And for an overall grade, I had them at an A-. minus. Uh, I think they, based on what they've done this offseason so far, they kind of had to hit this draft out of the park to be anywhere around contending this year. And I think that they did that. And it, um, especially with those first picks with Gladney and Jefferson and Urza, uh, I think they did a really good job. So uh, what did you have them graded as? I had the same exact grade. I had an A minus. I think that they had um, holes to fill, and they know what they needed to do, and they went out and did it. Um, one thing that I am gonna say is I do give look credit a lot of credit to the Vikings, but at the same time, I think they got a bit lucky. Um, personally, I don't think Gladney should have fell to thirty first, and Cleveland should not have fell to fifty eighth. I think that was a great pick by the Vikings, and I think he's better than that. Yeah, this this second round fell completely their way with those. No one was taking offensive linemen. Just one guy went one offensive lineman went in the second round. They those tackles fell all the way down. They had their pick of Jones or Cleveland. Oh man, Cleveland. Yeah. We didn't talk about it all in the preview, but that's what my uh, my uncle actually emailed me and was talking about how he really liked Urza Cleveland coming out of Boise State. It was one of his favorite lineman coming out in the draft so he should be able to make an immediate impact for the Vikings yeah I had him in my rankings I had him a little lower um that was mostly because I didn't get to watch a ton of film on him so I still am not super familiar with him but um from what I've been seeing he was a great value pick at uh 58 for the Vikings and then Jeff Gladden he was one of my top corners in in the draft this year so for the Vikings to pick him up uh, not only pick them up, but trade back, pick up two picks, and then still get the guy that they want. I thought that was that was really awesome there. And then uh, Justin Jefferson, I thought he we we got to replace a guy like Stephon Diggs, and I think just Justin Jefferson. Um, no, I don't think coming in he's going to be as good as Diggs was, but 
I think he's a playmaker, and I know the Vikings loved him. Uh, I saw Gary Kubiak had Jefferson as his number one receiver in the draft. So interesting. Um, when you got guys like C.D. Lamb and, and Judy in there, that's that's quite the uh, the praise from an offensive coordinator who's been in the league for many years. Definitely, and I think uh, Jefferson. It's uh, it's interesting because now they got Thielen plays in the slot. Jefferson plays in the slot. It's going to be interesting the kind of formation that they're going to run, get these guys in positions to succeed. Um, but they're, I think Jefferson's going to be a great fit in that offense and a much-needed wide receiver. Uh, and Gladney looked really good. And this Cameron Dancer guy they got in the second round or third round there, he can fly. He's he's just a little small, but from watching the clips that they showed there at the draft, he is, he is all over the field, you know. Uh, I think that was a really good pick for them considering all of the cornerbacks that they lost in free agency. Yeah, I mean, looking at the at the Vikings roster coming into this, I mean, the corners are pretty much Mike Hughes and Holton Hill. Uh, Mike Hughes hasn't really been put in a situation where he's, de- like, relied on a lot. Um, he's still pretty young. He's been injured in the past. And then a guy like Holton Hill has struggled with suspensions. And he's a good player but just hasn't seen enough uh, time in the, on the field. So going into this year, it was already going to be a really young cornerback group, but I do like what the Vikings did uh, picking up Dantzler. I'm a bit worried about him because, like like you said, his, his size is a little bit undersized. He's extremely skinny. And at the combine, he ran a 4.6940 yard dash, which was the second slowest among corners. But then he hosted his own pro day, and I think it was a sub 4.4. So – when you look at that, you know, my, something might have been bothering him at the combine because he does play a lot quicker than a 4.4 or 4.69 40-yard dash. So, yeah, what I heard about I him was he thought is or they kind of got to him thought it was a lot more important to put on weight for the draft. I mean, for the combine there, and oh, so he yeah, kind of yeah. put on some unnecessary weight. He kept trying to put on weight instead of just going out there and running as fast as he could, which probably yeah. would have Im- increased his draft stock, and he wouldn't have fell all the way to the pick 89 where the Vikings picked him up there. Yeah. And like I said, uh, the, the value picks for the Vikings, we had, we do have a little bit of a hole at linebacker and I don't think people realize it. Um, obviously bar and Kendricks locked up the, the two um, linebacker spots, but then the third one, uh, Eric Wilson's getting a little older and uh, we were able to pick up Troy die um, at pick one, 132, and I think that was a really good pick. He's a kind of guy that can drop into coverage. He can come off the edge. Uh, out of Oregon, he had a really successful career. He led them in tackles for two years. So that's another pick that I thought was a great value pick um, uh, for for Troy Dye. Definitely. Troy Dye is a stud. He's my sleeper linebacker coming into this draft. I was really hoping that the Packers would get him, but, of course, they – gave away their fourth round pick and never even had an opportunity to take him on day three there. But a little bit sad to see him go to the Vikings, but I'm sure he's, he's gonna, he's gonna thrive in that system around those talented defensive players that you guys got. Yeah. And another guy I wanted to talk about um, was the wide receiver out of Miami, KJ Osborne. Um, I was a bit confused with this pick at first. Honestly, I thought there were some better uh, wide receivers uh, that were out there. But then I looked at, uh, took a closer look at K.J. Osborne, and he is an elite returner. And that's something that the Vikings re- need right now. Um, 
in the past two years, guys returning the kicks have been uh, Marcus Shirelles and Mike Hughes. But like I mentioned earlier, Mike Hughes is going to be forced into, you know, kind of that top corner role. So you don't really want your top corner um, returning punts, especially when your depth chart is really thin with a lot of young guys. So K.J. Osborne will we'll be able to uh, come in right away and be that guy, especially with Shirelles no longer on the roster. So uh, I was a bit confused with that pick first at pick 176, but um, now that I see the return aspect of Osborne, that's for sure uh, a good pick. That And it, it fills a hole that I don't think many people noticed we had. Yeah, and I hope uh, a lot of these guys, I feel like sometimes, though, are kind of the best players on their college teams and they got all the confidence in the world and they're, they're just returning punts, doing all this stuff for their teams. But a lot of times they get in the NFL and they start muffing punts and you know, the, the bright lights get on on Monday Night Football and they're muffing a kickoff return. They can't I, – I, it doesn't happen to everyone, but I've definitely seen it happen quite a bit. I happened with Jair Alexander on the Packers. I remember they had him return a few punts his rookie year and he was muffing punts, which he never did in college. So I, that's something to look out for, definitely, if they throw him straight into that role, returning all the kicks for the Vikings there. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a concern. I see where you're coming from there. So, you know, right now I don't see anyone else in the Vikings that would be going back to each kick. So maybe bringing in a, a veteran, you know, wide receiver who has a history of returning kicks and you just kind of be um, a helping hand there for K.J. Osborne wouldn't be a bad idea. Definitely. Interesting. Uh, a lot of these guys at the bottom of their draft I never heard of before, but uh, Nate Stanley – quarterback out of Iowa actually grew up really close to us uh, in Menominee, Wisconsin. Um, And I thought he was going to go a little bit earlier than this, but quarterbacks kind of fell after the first round and Jalen Hurts in the second round. Quarterbacks kind of fell more than I expected. And it was a question whether he's even going to get drafted or not, but I think he could be a serviceable backup for you guys. I'm not sure who you have in that role right now, but uh, Uh, right right now we got Sean Mannion. Uh, former Rams. Oh, yep. Yeah. Out of, I think he's out of Oregon State. But, yeah, uh, I was a little interested by this pick. I wasn't a huge Nate Stanley fan uh, when he was in college. Um, and the Vikings had opportunities to grab one of those guys that were falling. Um, I was really hoping we'd take a guy like Jake Fromm, especially with how uh, how much he fell. And with all the draft picks we had, I thought we could have – uh, sacrificed a pick and taken a quarterback a little earlier than maybe we wanted to. Um, Cause I'm, like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Nate Stanley. Um, he's a really big kid. He had a decent career in Iowa, but I'm just not sure if he fits the NFL mold. And like you said, he, he very well could be a serviceable backup and that's what I see him being. But I think with a guy like Jake Fromm, uh, you have Kirk Cousins under contract for two more seasons. You get Fromm to come in here. You kind of get him to learn from Cousins because I think Fromm and Cousins play a very similar similar game. So I think if you brought in Fromm, you let him sit there for two years, and if you like where he's at in two years, you can rely on him to be your starting quarterback. I know that's kind of wishful thinking, but it's a fifth-round pick, and I think that, that that was a risk that the Vikings should have taken. No, definitely. I mean, a couple of months ago, Jake Fromm, they were talking about him late first round, early second round, and he falls all the way to the fifth round. I think that definitely would have been worth a fifth round pick for you guys to pick up Jake Fromm, top five quarterback in this draft class, I think. And it's 
I think he doesn't have all that dazzling arm talent, but he's got character and he's going to work hard. He's blue collar country boy. You know, he's going to, he's going to work hard, do whatever it takes, be his role as the backup and trying to work up to be a starter. I think that would have been a great idea. Yeah, exactly. And I think Kirk Cousins is just the perfect mentor for him. Um, And uh, I just don't know where Nate Stanley really fits in right now. I don't even know if he'll make a roster spot with Manny and in there. And I know the Vikings uh, love Kyle Slaughter, so we'll see if they bring him back. But I don't know. I just don't love the quarterback pick there. Um, But that's what it is, I guess. Cousins definitely would have been good for him considering he was – was he a fourth, fifth-round pick too back when the Redskins drafted RG3 that same year? And we were in a similar situation with Fromm here. Yeah, and I think, like, Nate Stanley, he's he's a bigger dude. Um, He'll run it every now and then. He has a bit stronger arm than Fromm. So I don't think he's very similar to Cousins at all. So just another reason that I would have took that fifth-round pick or fourth-round pick or wherever Fromm went on from instead of taking Stanley a little bit later. Definitely. Uh, so who is your favorite pick out of the bunch, number one? And who is your least favorite pick? That's a tough pick. There was a lot, like, I think the first seven picks, honestly, I really liked them. We kind of went over all of them. Um, but I'd have to say, I'd probably have to say Jeff Gladney. Uh, I really think the Vikings needed to get a top corner in this draft. I was a little disappointed that they didn't get uh, Jalen Johnson, especially now that he went to the Bears, so we'll be seeing him two times a year. But I think Jeff Gladney is a really great player. I think he fits Zimmer's um, style of play perfect. Um, He's a physical corner. Uh, I think he can come in and, and produce right away. And I think he's a little different than Mike Hughes, who will be on the opposite side. Mike Hughes is kind of smaller. Um, he's better in coverage, where Gladney's going to bring more of that physical side. And another thing I liked about this pick is I think the Vikings knew they wanted them um, at pick 25. And I think they had um, a sense that he was going to fall a bit further. So they traded with, I think it was the 49ers. They pick up two picks in the process. They fall back to 31. And I think they get the player that they were going to pick at 25 anyways. Definitely. I think my favorite, or I think will be the best player is Urza Cleveland. After learning more about him, I think uh, he's going to be probably the best, if not one of the best uh, linemen on the Vikings and really help shore up that offensive line that kind of, kind of got manhandled last year a few times and it cost them, cost them some games. Uh, I think he could really help out a lot in that sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The the line has had up the whole line has been the major concern for the Vikings for quite a while now. And I think that uh getting him in the second round, a bigger guy, um, and being able to insert him into the O line and I think he'll make an immediate impact there. So I do like that pick as well. Um uh, my least favorite pick, um it's not really the player himself, but it's what we did with the pick. Uh, the Vikings had picked 152. They traded back to 169 and took Harrison Hand. Um, I really didn't like this because Tyler Johnson was still on the board, and you guys know Tyler Johnson's my guy. Um, 
I thought the Vikings had a great opportunity to take him there. And I think Tyler Johnson can play the outside and the inside in the NFL. And like you said, Thielen and Justin Jefferson uh, mainly play the inside. So I thought Tyler Johnson would have been a great pick here um, because he's able to do both. And instead, the Vikings drafted or traded back and took Harrison Hand at pick 169. So I don't love how they kept trading there. Um, but now, now Tyler Johnson's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm—I'll predict right now that the Vikings uh, will admit their mistake not drafting Tyler Johnson in the next four years. Yeah, I—I I think that would have been a better decision there as well. I'm gonna have to agree with you. Uh... They got their two young cornerbacks, and they already got their cornerbacks, you know, uh, with Mike Hughes and company. Uh, it's It just seems interesting to add depth there at that position when you already drafted to use two of your top picks instead of going wide receiver, which you pretty much only had Thielen before the dra- – I mean, pretty much the only safe thing that you had is Thielen before the draft. So picking up another wide receiver right there, especially hometown kid, would have been – a a nice move, I believe. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I, I really was was thinking that the Vikings were going to take them, and I think that they knew that they could get them there. And to see them trade that pick back, it was really frustrating to watch. But other than that, I think the Vikings had a really good pick. Um, someone we haven't talked about is the D end out of Michigan State. Uh, we got him in the seventh round. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Uh, Kenny Willickis. Um, he's a really good player, and that was an extremely good value pick at number seven. Uh, really strong guy. Played in the Big Ten for a while at Michigan State. So I really like that pick. And overall, um, I think the Vikings uh, knocked the ball out of the park here with this draft. I agree. I agree they had a great draft. And it's hard. Sometimes these guys look like studs in college, and they don't turn on the league. But from what I can tell, it seems like they filled their needs. They filled their needs with good players. and. I think a good amount of them will work out for them. Yeah, we'll have to agree. Uh, Trader Rick lived up to his nickname, and it was pretty. It was a pretty interesting draft speak for for the Viking fans out there. Definitely, I, I like that. Uh, coach, coach, there had uh, some dead animals in the background, like he oh, previewed before oh, yeah. the draft. Zimmer Ranch. That was pretty. That was an impressive setup. I'll have to admit. Definitely. Maybe, maybe not Kingsbury setup, but <laughs> pretty yeah, close. Yeah. Cliff had quite the setup there. I think he was um I think he was showing off a little bit. Just a little bit flexing. Young buck. All right, any closing thoughts before we move on to the Packers draft here? Um, not really. Like I said, I just think that the Vikings really did a good job and I'm really excited to see where some of these guys um, end up in the next couple of years. Um, I am a little worried, though, with how young the cornerback class is and that that might um, slow down the learning process for the guys we just drafted because they don't really have that veteran presence to kind of lead them through. So we'll see how that turns out. Definitely. All right. Now moving on to the Packers draft, I'm going to go with my overall grade first. Um I give him a D plus, which seems pretty bad, but I, f- I think it's a little bit higher than most people are saying. I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic about this draft. Uh, so what did you end up grading them? I'm going to give him a D um, just because every time 
the Packers were on the clock and I was like predicting who they should take in my head and all the all the expert what the experts were saying they would do the exact opposite yeah I, I thought this draft was a great opportunity for the Packers to get Aaron Rodgers some weapons as well as be able to help out the O-line and still get a solid linebacker and I don't think that the Packers did any of that in this draft no it was definitely a little frustrating to watch uh but I've come around on some different thoughts. I Jordan Love in the first round, I don't like that we traded up to get him. But I mean, I'm not as upset. I I like I like the kid. He's got a, just a big arm. He's 21 years old. Uh I saw stats like if he sits the next two years and starts, he's gonna be 24 years old. And Joe Burrow's 24 years old right now, because yeah. so that gave me a little bit of hope knowing that he's so young with a really talented arm and seems like a humble guy. He's, I mean, they're all going to say the right things, but he seems like he's all right coming into this situation. And LaFour loved him. LaFour apparently just had a man crush on this guy. He had to trade up in the first round to go get him. I, I saw them trade up and I, I was thinking Patrick Queen, it seemed like the only logical answer there. And they just shocked the world and go with Jordan Love in the first round. Uh, the one, the pick that baffled me the most, AJ Dillon in the second round, a running back out of Boston College. I like the guy a lot. Talked about him. He's my sleeper running back coming out of this draft. Really fun to watch. Big body running back, 250 pounds, runs through people. Uh, but think about the Packers coming into this draft. Their strengths probably quarterback and running back. And who do they go in the first three rounds? Quarterback and running back. It's a little frustrating as a fan. Um, so what did you think about the, the Jordan Love situation? Personally, I don't hate it as much as people think or as much as other people do. Um, like you said, kind of what they did with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers fell a bit in the first round of the Packers. I think it was the 27th overall pick when they drafted Rodgers. Um, and just kind of bringing in Love to do something similar, you know, ride the bench for a little bit, learn from one of the game's greats. Um, I so I don't love it as or I don't hate it as much as some people do but trading up for him I thought like you said I thought for sure they were going to go with a guy like Patrick Queen who fell um, quite a bit than I uh, more than I expected so I think that Love has some serious potential now that he'll be able to sit behind Rodgers and just kind of learn from him and know that he's not going to be rushed into um, playing time and then, like you said, I thought A.J. Dillon was the worst pick of the draft for any team. Like, I I don't like the Packers at all, but Aaron Jones is one of my favorite players in the league to watch. And when I saw that the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon, first of all, I was disappointed because I love A.J. Dillon, and I think he can go to a team and he can just be a bruiser. And then second of all, I was disappointed because I think this takes away from Aaron Jones. It's going to give him less touches. It's going to give him less touchdowns because I think A.J. Dillon's a goal line guy, whereas Aaron Jones, I, he led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year. So I was, I'm was, i still shocked by the pick of A.J. Dillon, um, especially in the second round where, like I said, there were still really good wide receivers, um, weapons for Aaron Rodgers as well as some help on the defensive side of the ball. Definitely. And I 
So the vision that they're basically going for here is LaFour comes from a Shanahan background, the coach of the 49ers, and it seems like he's trying to build an offense similar to the 49ers with this uh, Joshua Degura guy that they drafted, and they've said that they want him in a Kyle Juszczyk kind of a role where he's kind of lining up all over the field as the fullback in the slot, as a tight end. Um, I hadn't heard of the guy. If he can do everything that Kyle Juszczyk can do, I would love this pick, but I'm just unsure of that. But he does come from Cincinnati, a tight end producing college where Travis Kelsey came from, and I can't remember the other tight end now, but they said another pretty good tight end in the NFL that went there. Um, And then Kamal Martin, the only linebacker that we picked up in the draft, uh, out of Minnesota, I hadn't heard much about him, but I looked into him. Apparently he's a little bit of a run stopper. It can do a little bit in coverage. Uh, I, I was wondering your thoughts on him, considering that you've watched him more than I have. Well, the one thing about Kamal Martin is I actually managed for the football team for the captain's practice. And pretty much what I did um, during the captain's practice is it was pretty much seven on seven. And Kamal Martin was teaching all the younger linebackers and giving them opportunities to take the field. And so I was sitting on the O-line as the center, pretty much just snapping the ball back to the quarterback. And Kamal Martin was right next to me. And so I was hearing everything he said. And first of all, he had a shirt off. And this guy isn't – he's a freak. I mean, his body is like – the he's just extremely big. He's extremely strong. He has tons of muscle on him. And the other thing that stuck out to me is his leadership qualities. He cared about his teammates. He wanted them to learn. He knew a lot about the game, and he was passing that knowledge along. So those are two things that I thought were – that stood out to me um, – with some firsthand experience of being around Kamal Martin. But then second of all, um, another, some other things that I liked about his play and being able to watch his games, uh, I think he's really aggressive. Uh, when he sees the play happening, he goes for it. You know, he doesn't really hesitate. He just gets on his high horse and goes at it. Um, I think he does a good job of drop, being back in coverage. I think he had a couple interceptions last year, and he's a big part of the goal for defense. Um, and I think that stood out because later in the year he was injured. I know in that Wisconsin game he played a very limited role. Um, I did not expect him to get drafted in the fifth round. I thought it was it was for sure sixth or seventh round. So I was a little bit surprised by that. But I've always liked Kamal Martin um, at Minnesota, but I do have a little bit of concern with him at the next level. I think he might be a little slow and uh, – uh, I think that sometimes he doesn't shed the blocks effectively and it kind of slows him down, which in the NFL, you know, you're not going to be able to really afford that. If you get slowed down, the running backs are already going to be uh, five yards past you. Definitely. Definitely agree with that. Uh, but there's some promising things there. Definitely you're talking about the leadership of the Packers defense that pretty kind of lost their heartbeat in Blake Martinez. As much as I think that needed to happen, I don't think they – can pay Blake Martinez what he was being paid uh, because of all the tackles he made, even though he's, he was not the best at going downfield and filling gaps, but he was the heart and soul of that defense, the emotional leader. So maybe Kamal Martin, probably not right away considering he's a rookie, but in a couple of years can step into that role that Blake Martinez left. And then the Packers in the sixth round go with three interior linemen. 
now. I John Runyon Jr., uh, Jake Hansen, and Simone Stepanek. I never heard of Simone Stepanek, but his film looks pretty solid. Uh, it seems like they're just beefing up, trying to get depth and become a run-first offense, which is what LaFour likes to do. He did it with the Titans and with the 49ers, and now he's trying to instill that offense in the Green Bay Packers. And I love it. I mean, I would love if that works out like it does for the 49ers. I'm just unsure if the Packers are going to be able to pull that off to the same extent. Um, One thing I saw is the Eagles traded a sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick for Marquise Goodwin. I think that would have been the perfect deal for the Packers to make, give up one of these linemen, get the burner that they are lacking. Considering their receiving core, they're pretty much saying that they have all the trust in the world in these guys. And Equiminius St. Brown and Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It's just they don't have that burner. They don't have that that straight speed guy. They don't have that McCullough Hardman type player that, that the league has fallen in love with. Uh, and what I think this draft says about the Packers is that they're not they're not happy with the way that Aaron Rodgers is playing. They're not they're not satisfied. I, I, neither am I. Last year, I don't think he played well until the playoffs, which is an absolute joke. He was carried by a good running game and a good defense during the regular season. And actually, the best the best four games of offensive output was I think weeks five to week nine. They scored like thirty three points a game. Devontae Adams is out those weeks. They, Aaron Rodgers, when Devontae Adams is on the field, I, I love Devontae Adams as good as he is. He makes he makes a team better, obviously. But he has tunnel vision for that guy because he does not trust these other players. He does not trust them anywhere near how much he trusts uh, Devontae Adams. And he's only looking his way. He's not spreading the ball around the field like he did in these three games, and they scored 30-plus points a game. Uh, and – what Mandrins is saying, you know, Russell Wilson doesn't have anyone near as good as Devontae Adams. He's still getting the playoffs winning games. Carson Wentz doesn't have anyone near as good as Devontae Adams. He's getting in the playoffs winning games. Uh, but he keeps getting injured at the end. They're kind of saying, you, you don't need any more weapons. You should be able to win with this. And we're going to help you. We're going to get an O-line, a running game. Uh, that's what we're going to do for you. But they're saying it's kind of on Rodgers to step up to the plate and play a lot better than he has. Yeah, and that's one thing that I loved um, seeing coming out of this draft is there might be a little trouble in paradise with uh, pretty boy Aaron Rodgers over there in Green Bay. So that made me pretty happy. But um, like you said, kind of trying to develop a, a power run game. You know, they got A.J. Dillon. They got a ton of alignment. And I think at the same time, they're kind of contradicting themselves because – I think I think no matter how you look at it, I think Aaron Rodgers is a selfish player, and I think that trying to turn a team that he runs into more of a running team, I think the only thing that's going to do is create trouble with him, and he's going to want out. And then you put in a guy like Jordan Love, who has one of the strongest arms in the draft, and now you're trying to create a running system where it's going to limit his arm. So I think that maybe a little bit they're contradicting themselves, but. Um, I do like your points about how, you know, they're kind of upset with the way Rodgers is playing and they're kind of saying like, like you said, like, Hey, Russell Wilson is doing it and he doesn't have great receivers. 
Uh, same with Carson Wentz, and I think you can go as far as Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady has never had, um, you know, like insane receiving cores. I know he's had uh, Julian Edelman, who's a really good receiver, but I'd take Devontae Adams over Julian Edelman. And one of the great things about Tom Brady is he spreads the ball out to all of his receivers. And I can definitely see what you're saying with Aaron Rodgers, just kind of focusing in on Devontae Adams. And it seems like almost after every play, Aaron Rodgers finds a way to blame guys like you were saying, like like Valdez Scantling and and St. Brown or, or whatever his name is and guys like that. So I agree with your point there. Yeah, and I think it comes down to he's got to get – trust in Alan Lazard as a number two wide receiver and they brought in Devin Funchess and I think Rogers likes Funchess but he's he's been really inconsistent but we'll see what he can do but these are all big body guys I all we needed was just a burner that we can put in the slot and outrun people and stretch the defense um but I think he's starting to trust Alan Lazard last year. He showed some ice in some of those games, like the, specifically the Lions game when he caught that game-winning touchdown. Uh, that was a really nice throw and catch. And it's embarrassing that they're even that close in the game with the Lions. But that's that's kind of where the Packers were last year. They were just winning close games versus bad teams and finding ways to win games, which is what good teams do. But they need to take that next step this year. And Rodgers needs to figure out how to trust his receivers. And the thing is, he is if you watch him in the NFC Championship game, uh, he was stepping back, making quick decisions and throwing the ball. And he does not do that regularly. And that's what he needs to get back to, like he did in his prime. Um, and it's just, I hate this. It's like all year he'll kind of get, not carried, but pr- pretty much carried by a great running game and a solid defense. And then he gets the NFC Championship game. And, yes, the defense played terrible, and they got manhandled. But it's like, oh, it's a pity party. Aaron Rodgers never has help. It's like if he played good all year, you know, it would be a different story right now. Maybe they'd be at home right now in the playoffs instead of at San Francisco. But I I like what it says by drafting a quarterback, but I don't like that it doesn't help the team in the immediate short term. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that – I think it'll be interesting to see how Rodgers responds to the Packers taking a receipt or a quarterback in the first round because I think he can either respond with, All right, they're not they're not getting what they want from me. I need to step it up. I need to play good all year. And like you said, I need to start trusting these guys because I think once he starts trusting those receivers, so I do think have I have some solid talent. I think the 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 Packers have done a good job of bringing in um receivers that um, maybe weren't as highly touted as other guys, but I think trusting those guys can do a world of difference for the Packers. Or I think he can react by just getting pissed off and and wanting out of there and kind of just pouting because honestly what I've seen from him in previous years is kind of that pouting mentality. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't like Rodgers because I think he thinks that whatever the Packers do needs to revolve around him. And I like, I do like Matt LaFleur. I liked him before he came to the Packers. And I kind of like what he's doing here now. Um, not that all this, the decisions are his, but um, just kind of saying like, hey, you need to step it up. And if you don't, we're going to put things in place where, where you can live life without you. 
Yeah, and I definitely see like the pouty. I think the poutiness went down a lot last year. I think he was having a little more fun last year, obviously, because when you're winning games, it's a, a lot easier to have fun. But and it's it's just him and Lafour. Maybe the relationship wasn't what it seemed like last year. It seemed like this great relationship that those two had, but drafting a quarterback in the first round doesn't seem like they had the best of relationships, you know. Yeah, I think that's honestly one of the great mysteries of the NFL right now because it seemed like when LaFleur first came there, there were reports coming out that, like, all Rodgers and LaFleur, they aren't getting along. And then the season came along, and you saw it in the games, and you saw it in the interviews that, oh, maybe that was just some BS report, and they're actually having a good relationship. But then you look at the draft, and they're drafting a quarterback first round. So I think it's kind of hard to tell what's kind of going on there. You know, if Rodgers is happy where he's at, if LaFleur is happy with him or, or kind of what's going on in, in that dilemma. Yeah, and I'm interested to see this dynamic between Rodgers and Love, considering that when Rodgers came in, Favre was not nice to him at all. He didn't he didn't try and, like, get him ready, you know, because Favre hated they brought him in. And I wonder – and I remember Brett Hundley. Not that Brett Hundley is a similar situation to Jordan Love, but he had a great relationship with Rodgers. Like, they still – are great friends to this day. Rodgers is doing everything he could to help Brett Hundley become the best player he could be. And I think Rodgers will probably have a similar approach with Jordan Love because he's been there. He's been in his shoes. And he, like, wouldn't want to be treated the way that he got treated by Brett Favre. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, you hope that's the case because, you know, these are young kids. Like you said, Jordan Love's only 21. And you would never really wish that upon someone to be brought into the league and just kind of ignored and and not have that role model to look up to. But um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But, yeah, I like I, – I hope that's the case because I really do think that that will be extremely beneficial for a guy like Jordan Love. Definitely. And he – it's again, yeah. I think Rogers understands it's it has nothing to do with the kids. So I don't think he's gonna put the the punishment on him. He's got he can be pissed at the management and the coaches, you know, but he's I don't think he's gonna take it out on the kid because he has no decision. He got drafted and put in the situation. He's just got to do the best he can to help help this team win. Yeah, and um, I saw one analyst on ESPN uh, right when the, after the Packers drafted Love. He said, I can't think of a worse mentor than Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's really going to be interesting to see how that relationship works out. Like you said, you have faith in, in Rodgers to, to be there for him, to kind of be that role model. And I could definitely see that happening too. I really don't like Rodgers for a lot of reasons, but I mean, there's no reason to take it out on the kid. He can't help where he gets drafted and, He's still really young, and I think he knows he needs to develop a little bit before he's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, and I feel like the media kind of taints these, these players' relationship. I, there's so many players that have came out after playing with Rodgers and spoke good on how great of a teammate he was, and it's. I feel like the media just kind of I, – I mean, I get it. He's kind of – he is kind of pouty. He's kind of blames other people, but I think when it comes down to it, he's a good teammate, and that's – I think it just gets tainted by the media a lot. And they like it. They like it the way he's a bad, he's a bad guy, and he's all selfish. But I don't think that is the case, actually. Yeah, I think that's the 
the kind of dilemma of all the sports is you kind of got to be careful what you listen to because we don't really know the truth, even though, you know, reports are getting put out. Like I said, right at the beginning, um, LaFleur and Rogers, it was rumored that they weren't getting along and you just never know what's going on inside because I think the sports world is a pretty secretive world um, for whatever reason, honestly. But um, I think it's definitely interesting how, the media finds ways to twist things like that. Um, and it does seem like they want to kind of look as Rogers as, you know, he's kind of the kind of the immature pouty guy who's, who's very selfish. So I agree with you there. Definitely. All right, Brady, you have any final thoughts you'd like to get in? Um, I, like I said at the beginning, it's just a really confusing draft for, um, from the Packers side of view, um, not only because of who they drafted, but I think more so because who they didn't draft. I thought there was really great opportunity. I thought this draft was deep in so many different ways and the Packers just kind of went their own direction. So we'll see how it works out for them. I'm interested to see how um, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon uh, control that backfield next year because I think Aaron Rodgers is, or Aaron Jones, I'm sorry, is one of the best running backs in the league. And, you know, I think he's really fun to watch. So I hope A.J. Dillon, AJ Dillon doesn't take too much away from him. But at the same time, I am I think I'm really going to like watching A.J. Dillon at the NFL level as well. Definitely. And same here. It's just, you can say all you want now. You can talk all you want now. But it's how it works out in the end, that how we judge these draft picks. Yeah, all right, exactly. so, so I think that's we're wrapping it up here. That's all we got for you today. Uh, I think we're going to make some more episodes. I don't know how we're going to divvy up. Maybe NFC draft grades the rest of them and then AFC. Uh, or maybe we'll split it up more than that. But we plan to do most of the draft grades. All right, so. And we'll, we'll make those a little shorter than we did the Vikings and Packers. Just wanted to go into a little bit more depth because we have you know, we're more knowledgeable about the Vikings and Packers as, as Matt, like you said, is a Packer fan and I'm a Viking fan. So we won't go as into depth into those ones as we did these ones, but we'll still give our grades and, and who we liked uh, that, that came out of the draft for those specific teams. Definitely. Yep. Just more of an overall view and like our favorite drafts. Maybe we could do some of those with our top five teams or something along those lines. But uh, thank you for listening. And have a great night.